who among us doesn't enjoy a good mystery? And especially when solving it means that I get to bring out my competitive side, even if it's just me against the clock, I just can't wait to uncover all the secrets. So June's Journey is a game that is completely up my alley, and I think you'll love it too. In June's Journey, a hidden object mystery game, you play as June Parker, who's on a quest to solve her sister's murder and uncover her family's many secrets. Each chapter brings you deeper into the story, and it's set in the Roaring Twenties, so beyond uncovering clues, you get to experience the glitz and glamour of the time. June's Journey is definitely not a game I play mindlessly, which I love because I get genuinely invested and a lot of it is a race against time, so there's a little fun added pressure of trying to find the clues as quickly as you can in each scene. There are also tons of ways to customize the island that you're on, learn more about the characters, and then new chapters are added weekly, so you really can't run out of things to explore. So if you think you're up to solve this case, download June's Journey for free today on iOS or Android or play on PC through Facebook games. June needs your help, detective. This episode is brought to you by Paramount Plus. An unlikely friendship begins in the Paramount Plus original movie, Little Wing, starring Brooklyn Prince with Kelly Riley and Brian Cox. Reeling from her parents' divorce, Caitlin steals a valuable bird to save her home, but instead forms a bond with the owner, leading to a new outlook on life. Little Wing, now streaming exclusively on Paramount Plus. Head to ParamountPlus.com to try it free. Rated PG 13. And now, a special edition of the Toddcast Podcast. Powered by The Pint, Vancouver's favorite sports bar at 455 Abbott Street and online at vancouver.thepint.ca. Now, here's your host, Todd Hancock. I had a friend ask me the other day about career highlights from my time doing this podcast. And we're now into year eight. So you would think that there would be a bunch of standout moments, right? Right. I will admit it's it's probably easier for me to pull from my almost 20 years as a radio DJ. And then it becomes easy. Chris Cornell co-hosting three or four afternoon shows with me, the full three hours, uh, first class flights to Dublin to do my show from the Jameson Whiskey Distillery, hosting world album premieres with Metallica, Nickelback, Velvet Revolver, Slipknot's Corey Taylor co-hosting with me for an hour, and we're playing stuff like Rick Springfield, Michael Jackson, Hall and & Oates, and keep in mind, this is on Fox, Vancouver's rock station. Metallica, Slipknot, all the grunge bands, Disturbed. And then Corey comes in and we break the mold. I don't specifically remember the random days of working in radio, you know, where the music doesn't change or, you know, I didn't have a, a world-class guest, which makes me wonder why radio doesn't do more of that. You know what I mean? Like, when was the last time that you were surprised at your favorite radio station? Oh, cool, they're playing this song. Oh, cool, they're playing that song. Challenge the audience that day with Corey Taylor was so cool. I bet you that everyone who heard it would still remember today. And it's been 15 years probably. So radio career highlights for me are super easy. There were lots. The podcast is more of a build. It's the launching of it. Never in a million years would have I thought I'd have a podcast that could sustain life in Vancouver. A, a, a stay at home wife, a couple kids, and it's getting businesses to believe in your thoughts and your ideas. That is a career highlight in terms of podcasting. It's the great guests, like having Kim Coates, Sons of Anarchy, Bad Blood as a guest. That's a career highlight, sure. 
same for so many other guests as well. Rex and Vinny from Pantera. Kirk McLean, Vancouver Canucks, retired goaltender, drinking beers with me after the podcast. We talked for probably half hour, but then he stuck around. We're playing a bunch of local bands and stuff. Uh, putting on live shows like the Cheap Thrills events that we do where I host from stage and interview the bands they play acoustically. It's unique. A career highlight? Yeah, sure. Again, I think that, you know, having the podcast and just sustaining uh, for as long as we have, like year eight now, it is an ever-moving monster. And over the years, it's kind of moved and swayed with what's going on in full tilt it, it was straight up, this has been a full-time job on its own. Booking bands, hosting, editing, marketing. Uh, it really, truly never ends, and it really depends on how much time you want to throw into it. And that's what this episode is all about. We're talking career highlights, and we've all got them. You'll hear from 12 guests. They want to share their stories this week. A Jane's Addiction drummer, Stephen Perkins, has been on the podcast. And here's one where you should really dig up the full conversation on SoundCloud. And by the way, it's easy to find something on that website, soundcloud.com. So just type in Stephen Perkins Toddcast Podcast and it'll bring it up. Whichever guest you want and Toddcast Podcast. Hey, I was about, uh, you know, six months ago old when I realized that you could do that. So... Anyway, yeah, so Jane's drummer, Stephen Perkins, uh, talking about one of the most influential rock bands of all time. I mean, their singer, Perry, launched Lollapalooza. Let that sink in. Check out what Stephen Perkins had to say about career highlights. 1986, Jane's played with Firehose. Okay. And uh, I was fascinated with the rhythm section of the Minutemen, and of course, they never got to see him, but... Uh, the Firehose, the burning, you know, Raging Full On record, they were playing uh, an L.A. gig, and I got a chance to hang with George, and, and then Mike walked up and gave me a big bear hug, and we've been buddies ever since. Awesome. Yeah, Really cool guy. He's the godfather. And as a drummer, and albeit a, a hack, though still a drummer, it was cool to grab Airborne's drummer, Ryan O'Keefe, for a podcast visit. They're coming up on 20 years as a band. Crazy, hey? They're Australian, couple brothers in the band, couple of their buddies. They formed in 2003, although they didn't release their debut till 2007. Their album, Breaking Out of Hell, was recorded by the legendary Mike Fraser, who, if you didn't know, does all the ACDC stuff here in Vancouver. You've heard Airborne's music in a ton of video games, too, including Guitar Hero World Tour, Madden NFL, Need for Speed Undercover, WWE SmackDown vs. Raw, the NHL franchise. They've toured with Iron Maiden. Their albums crush on the charts. So what's Ryan's career highlight? Career highlight would be uh, when we toured the UK with just us and Iron Maiden. Wow. Um, so touring their home country in those huge venues, and it was just us and them. And, you know, probably a highlight from that tour would be sitting back in catering on Sunday, having a Sunday roast with all the trimmings, and Yannick is on the table next to me reading news the Sunday <laughs> paper, and whilst Bruce is walking around the venue with VIP tours and right. um, directing people around. So things like that, you know, just being... Like, I would have been... A childhood dream would have been to, to, to meet them, but... To tour with them in England was was huge. It, was it tough to win over their fans, or was it just right out of the gate, you're rolling? It's, it's weird with that. Um, a lot of times we'll play with 
um, bands where you know they usually their fan like their fans might be hard to get or whatever. But yeah. I don't know what it is. But once again, it's that uncomplicated rock and roll that seems to just capture capture most people, and they just get involved and get into it. I wonder if Our Lady Peace singer Rain Maida believed me when I told him that I would place their debut Navid probably in the top ten of my most played albums, maybe even like top five. I mean, it, it, that probably could be the case. You know how to how would a workplace? There's often the guy that that'll have like the, the radio, the ghetto blaster, the entertainment home base kind of thing. Call it whatever you want. Uh, when I worked at a place called Seaward Kayaks in Summerland in the Okanagan in the early '90s, I was the guy that had the stereo, and almost every single day I would give that album Navid a spin, and sometimes we'd do two, three a day. It really was. You know, looking back now is borderline overkill. Anyway, great album from Our Lady Peace. And when you look at their success, their accomplishments over the years, right out of the gate, their videos for Hope, then Super Satellite, Starseed, you know, it almost made them a household name. Millions of albums sold, four Juno Award wins, 10 Much Music Video Awards, huge tours, the Somersault Festival. So listen to their singer, Rain Maida, talking about his career highlights. Um... The opening for the Ramones in Jersey was pretty was pretty high up there. Wow! Yeah, back like on the beat, like in whatever ninety five. It was awesome. You know, I just actually yeah, was, had CJ Ramone as a guest maybe a couple of weeks back. Did you? Did you really? That's I did. So yeah. Cool. yeah. Yeah, just being able to kind of, I don't know, just be amongst that. You know, I, I it's like one of those one of those moments. And then Robert Plant asking me about like the lyrics for Navid, like just saying, "Hey, man, we're on tour with them." And he just came up to me and said, I just want to let you know how much I really appreciate, you know, the lyrics on that album. And I'd love to sit down and talk to you about them one day. I was like, okay, did wow. that really just happen, man? Or is that like an imposter? I remember when I was trying to get the pretty reckless singer Taylor Momsen to be a guest of the podcast. I was asked if I'd talked to her before, which I had during my time at Fox. She was a guest of the show I did called The Rock Report. And I think that that influenced the decision for her to come on this podcast and oddly, she did remember me, or at least so she said. You'll know Taylor for a few reasons, of course. Uh, Cindy Lou Who in The Grinch with Jim Carrey. Gossip Girl, she played Jenny. And of course, the singer of The Pretty Reckless, who are now at year 13 as a band. Multiple hit songs in North America and the UK. Big tours, lots of success. She has a lot to draw from when she's talking career highlights. I think the biggest accomplishment is that we're still here and that we're still doing this. Um, you know, it's, we've been a band for over a decade now. We're on our fourth album. Um, we've been through a lot of hell and back and like the fact that we're, you know, it's, it's not, you know, it's rock and roll is not easy, you know, and it's, and it's, as AZDC said, it's a long way to the top if you want to rock and roll. And it, you know, it takes, it takes a full on life you know, life commitment um, of fully entrenching yourself in that and, and not wavering um, in any way. Like it's, it's, it's a full on, you know, mental commitment and, and lifestyle. And I think that it's impressive that we're still, you know, I think that's the biggest thing is, and the, and that we continue to grow. Like that's, that's the most important thing. Like as soon as you get, I feel like as soon as you get kind of content or stagnant or, you know, pleased with yourself as an artist and you're like that was the best I can do well that's the death of an artist so like we're always trying to push forward and, and better what we 
you know, better what we've done previously. And, and I think that by sticking with that kind of mentality and, and having that be the goal of the, you know, if you played a great show on Wednesday, the show on Thursday has got to be better. Like it's that kind of, you know, like, you know, if you wrote a great song and then the next song's got to be better. Like it's, and that kind of mentality is, is really, I think the driving force of this band and, and the reason that we're still around. So I think that's the, that's the biggest accomplishment is just that we're still here doing it. And, and we, you know, love it. <laughs> yeah. Musical guests of the Toddcast podcast are powered by Pineapple Sound, providing recording and mixing services for a wide range of artists and genres since 2013. Check them out at pineapplesound.com.
you really have to have the goats raised for that one. The band is We Hunt Buffalo, and I love that song. It's called Hold On. Now, I saw on their Facebook page not so long back, I think it was maybe well, a couple, two, three weeks ago now, uh, that they'd canceled their island dates. They'd had shows in Victoria and I want to say Cumberland, but those were canceled. And of course, no doubt to the COVID fun police. Now, if you were in the studio with me when retired pro soccer player Jay Demerit showed up, you would have you would have had a laugh with me. He knocks on the door, let him in. He's red-faced, borderline like out of breath, but not, you know, the kind where you're like doubled over and wheezing. More like, oh, I can tell you just did a little bit of exercise a few minutes back. And, and I'm like, would you just come from the gym? And he goes, no, no, I, I just ran here from UBC. <laughs> like, what? Dude, that's like an easy 20-minute drive from my house. 20-minute drive from my house on a good day, probably closer to 30 minutes. Oh, I just ran here from UBC. So Jay's retired from soccer. You'll remember that he was the first player it signed with the Vancouver Whitecaps. That was back in 2010. He was the captain of the team as well. But he's he's played everywhere. I mean, over in England, eventually landing at uh, Watford uh, for their championships in 2004. Played with those guys for six seasons. When they released him, that's when he came over to the MLS, into the Whitecaps. Jay's been named an MLS All-Star. It retired from the game in 2014. Career highlight has to be playing in a World Cup. I mean, when you... When you like our our first game in the 2010 World Cup was was against England, USA England in the World Cup. 32 teams around the nation spent two and a half years to qualify to make this tournament. Right? When everyone watches, there's 400 million people watching the World Cup games. Wow. 400 million. So, if you think about that stage and what that means, you can freak the fuck out of yourself, or oh, you yeah. can enjoy the ride. And for me, who was, you never, enjoyed the who ride. was never supposed to be there in the first place, like I remember clearly in the World Cup, and this is probably my favorite. My favorite memory on the soccer field was USA England, USA national anthem, playing "My Hands on My Heart," and I understand that I am one of eleven chosen to represent my country on the world's biggest soccer stage, the world's biggest sporting stage on the planet. It's the cra- it was the craziest and most energetic I've ever felt in my life and proud, like proud of all the work it took to get there, you know? Yeah. Um, but at the end of the day, like I've always been had this perspective of I get to be the guy. So don't be scared. Do it. Right. Enjoy you're, you're the su- shit out of it. You're supposed you know to I mean? be there. Like, yeah. Like I get to be the guy. It's not like I'm standing there going, oh my God, like what if I fuck up? Like there's 400 people watching. Like that mentality di- is what didn't get me there. You know, like my right. mentality was like, yeah, put yourself into this situation. Let's d- do something that that dude just told you you couldn't do. Hey, you're moving to England. It, American coaches are like, dude, you didn't even make it here. Like why are you moving Like dream to on, buddy. Yeah. Yeah. You know what? I'll, sh- you know, I'll, sh- like, I'll show you. I'm, and it's not even I'll show you. It's just, I'm going to prove myself right. Right. I'm not going to prove you wrong. I'm just going to smile when I do. You'll know Amber O'Neill as the Beverly Hills babe in WOW, Women of Wrestling. Now, she's a trailblazer straight up of the indie wrestling scene. The first woman to carry the NWA Women's World Championship over to New Japan. She's paid her dues more than most and had no problem coming up with a career highlight. My career highlight was the debut of the Beverly Hills Babe two weeks ago on WOW Superheroes. Mm -hmm. It was the happiest moment of my life. It was everything that I have worked 20 years for. I've had some really high points in wrestling. 
Um, I was in New Japan. I was the first woman to ever wrestle for New Japan against Maria Kanellis. I was the Bullet Babe. I was part of the Bullet Club, which was it was the most the biggest thing to ever happen to wrestling since the NWO. But that's old news because while Superheroes is the hottest thing in wrestling right now, we have the second largest distribution, uh, you know, for wrestling that there is, and. I've worked really, really hard to have a very prestigious moment in wrestling and to be able to debut in that beautiful outfit that I designed myself to be part of this historical women's wrestling show alongside of my best friend, Alana Star, who mm-hmm. changed my life, <laughs> and do it for the man who created the first show that ever made me, that I ever saw, that showed me the kind of woman that I wanted to be and now I am that type of woman to do this for David McLean with Lana Star for super, Wild Superheroes, working for Jeannie Bus, working for Mark Cuban. The debut of that character was the happiest, most proud moment of my life. And she is going to be a huge, huge star on this show because how could I not be? I have Lana Star on my side. If you've ever watched an NHRA top fuel funny car hauling ass down the quarter mile, you got to think these people, men and women, have big brass balls in a huge wheelbarrow to put it in. We're talking 300 plus like 340 miles per hour, three and a half seconds in a quarter mile. Del Warsham has multiple championships under his belt. He's been racing since 1990, became the youngest driver to win a funny car event. He was just 21 years old. This was back in 1991. Won the NHRA Rookie of the Year as well. He has 33, maybe more now, 33 career victories, eight in top fuel, 25 in funny car, an absolute behemoth in the sport. So what's his career highlight? I think winning that race in 1991 at, at 21 years old uh, would probably have to be the career highlight. Um, still to this day, you know, the, the youngest guy to ever win a funny car, a, a funny car title. And there, there, there's some yeah. new along now that are going to challenge me for that. That, that was pretty big. Uh, second thing, you know, I, I won the U S nationals and the, and the skull showdown, you know, in the, in the same weekend, which was, which was the highest, the most money you can make in one day racing, you know, and I did that. Uh, that, that ranks up there. And then the two championships, the one in top field and the one in funny car. So that's that's kind of my order. Yeah, and you're partying after these. these oh, nights. yeah. Yeah, <laughs> we have some epic parties afterwards. They must be just crazy nights, man. <laughs> we are. You know, it, a, a quick story. I'd say probably I got married in 1999, and I'd been saving up parts most of my life, and I was going to build, like, a top fuel engine in my backyard and put it, put it next to my barbecue just out of old parts I had. And – um I thought that'd be cool. You know, you're having a barbecue and just fire, you know, fire up my blender and be awesome or, or fire up this engine and be awesome. And then I saw somebody one of those weed whacker margarita machines one day. Oh yeah. I'm like, huh? So I remember I was in good. Bristol. I was in <laughs> Bristol in 2000. And I woke up my wife in the middle of the night. She's like, what? And I'm like, Hey, I'm going to take that engine I'm building and I'm going to mix margaritas with it. She's like, what are you talking about? I'm like, I saw that guy with that little, that little weed whacking thing. No, nah, I, I can do better than this. And she's like, go to bed. So nice. I went home. That was race day night too. going home. And she came home from work that Monday and I'd take, I'd taken her blender completely apart and it's like, <laughs> my house. And she's like, what are you doing? And I had my micrometer and the, the tape measure out and I made it everything exactly five times bigger <laughs> nice. down hopper and built this with my dad helped me. And we built this big old like margarita machine and we still have it to this day. And it's, it's like it burns on hundred percent nitromethane top fuel engine, mixes 15 gallons of margaritas at a time. And 
uh, NHRA banned it in maybe 2007 from the races. The parties were just too big and too epic. Oh, yeah. I was in trouble. And I remember telling J.R. Todd in 2018, if win the championship, I'm bringing it back out. I don't think anybody in NHRA remembers that I even have this thing. And uh, he won the championship driving the DHL car like I did. We, uh, we drug it out to Pomona, and I nice. talked to the new president of NHRA, and he's like, just don't cause any trouble. So we did, and it was, it was a fun night. IFBB Bikini Pro Stacy Naito is also a board-certified physician. She's a certified nutrition coach, a fitness trainer. Again, lots to choose from when it comes to career highlights. I would say my career highlight was actually when I got my, my pro card, my IFBB pro card. That was an amazing day for me, uh, an amazing weekend. Uh, and I, there's actually, I'll try to tell this really quickly, but uh, when I got my pro card in the mail, Mm-hmm. I thought, this is so cool. Ooh, this is just a little piece of paper. You sign it, whatever. I thought, this is so amazing. I you know, worked so hard to get this. I'm going to laminate it. And I went to uh, I went to a place to get it laminated. <laughs> and I saw my, my medical license and my DEA registration you know, for scheduled drugs. Yeah. Also in my wallet. And I thought, oh, I might as well laminate these two while I'm there. I mean, that's how big of a deal it was for me to get uh, to be awarded IFBB Pro status. What is it that's tough about it? Like, what's the steps? Obviously, I have no idea. Okay, so uh, you basically you compete at the local level, local slash regional level. You have to get a certain placing in order to qualify to compete at the national level as as an amateur. Just to qualify. Yeah, you have to qualify. You have to place top five uh, in a local or regional show. Okay. So then you go to the national level, and back when I was competing, now they have more shows where you can you can uh, get a pro card, but back when I was competing, there were seven shows each year. Wow. That was it. Wow. There had seven chances, and they were all over the United States. So, you know, I live in California. I had to fly to Pennsylvania, um, Ohio, Florida, um, oh, wow. Nevada was the closest one. Yeah, so I, every year I would fly to these shows. So once you're at the national shows, and, and we're talking about, you know, some of these shows, they have over a 1,000 competitors in, in each division, say bikini division, there may be, you know, 150 competitors so or, or more than that. Wow. So at the national level, you have to hit, like a first place finish. Sometimes it's not, not just a first place finish, but you have to get a, a, like an overall title too. No kidding. So I kept, I kept, I did well enough. I, you know, I had five first place finishes leading into that show where I got my pro card. But all those five first place finishes that I had previously weren't enough because they, you know, they had that whole thing where you had to get overall. So um, wow. when I got got to that one event, I basically needed one first place finish, and I got two first place finishes plus an overall, plus I placed fourth in my high class in open, oh and that was God. at the age of uh, three days before my forty seventh birthday, and I you know, so it was it was a great birthday present. It was a, a huge accomplishment, and I would say that that definitely my career highlight. Yeah. <laughs> Toddcast sporting guest visits are powered by Cap at Chilliwack providing the best quality products and services for you and your truck. Online at facebook.com slash Chilliwack Capit.
thanks for days It's in the games we play that throw me off to you are This happens every single time released that song last year and you could put a really good argument to the fact that that might be the best indie rock song of 2021 the band is the lone non-vancouver band of this week's Toddcast. they're from edmonton alberta nicholas rage in an absolutely crushing killer song called gravity and was talking to their singer about getting them to come out to vancouver to play a show for the podcast and of course then covid hit and you know took away all of our toys you get the feeling that their live show is going to be absolutely bananas, right? It ain't just me. Matt Kundal is a longtime Canadian broadcaster. In fact, you know, back in the day, in like the late 90s, I would have considered him a mentor. He would critique my honor performances and quite literally, you know, I hear I'm sending him cassette tapes in snail mail. Yeah, he had a show on the Bear in Edmonton uh, that was amazing. Dude, it was so impressive. He was daring. He had just a ton of really good ideas. Uh, the show itself was, was kind of gritty, 
And I love that. I love that about him. And now Matt, oh, he's, he's doing some consulting. He does a ton of voice work and stuff. He's the host of the Sound Off podcast, the podcast about broadcast. Like me, Matt has some material to draw from when you start talking about career highlights. I saw Metallica in, in Tuk Toyak Tuk. Oh, you saw that show. Yeah, in 1995. Wow. And wow. You know, for those... Uh, who, are, who are listening, that sounds crazy to think, but, you know, Molson was all into the blind dates back in 1995, and they yeah. partner with radio stations, and we would get people together, we would put them in a bar, let's say like the Town Pump. I saw and, uh, the Soundgarden Town Pump uh, blind date. It was yeah, insane. I, I did as well, and they came out for that, for oh, that cool. show, and Chris Cornell was playing Waiting for the Sun, and I thought, you know, by the doors, and I thought, this is crazy. Am I, am I seeing this for real? Right. And this, of course, before cell phones where you could actually videotape it and, you know, it's just right. in your mind now. And I will point out the Metallica. I think, I think Adam Curry was up in uh, Tuk Toyaktuk and it was the first time they'd actually live streamed a concert. And the fact yeah. that they could do that in 1995 from Tuk Toyaktuk, which I thought was, was pretty outstanding. You will know actor and voiceover actor Adrian Petru, no question. He's been an arrow on CW. You'll recognize him from a super intense scene in Hell on Wheels. He's freaking Tony Stark in Iron Man Armored Avengers, like one of the best animated superhero series ever. He's Adam in The Hollow, Rudy Bachman in iZombie, Gren in the Dragon Prince. So check out what Adrian said about career highlights. My life's here. I want to raise my kids here. And mm -hmm. so, you know, a lot of uh, uh, friends of mine, you know, there's when you're an actor and you're, and you're kind of going, you know, uh, getting into your 20s, the big question is always, are you going to make the trip down to LA? Are you going to pack your bags and go mm -hmm. down there? Or go to some people went to school in New York and all that stuff and, uh, you know, and end up wherever. Some of friends of mine went to, ended up in London and, uh, I just, you know, I mean, I just, I'm so in love with where I live here mm -hmm. that I'm like, I want to start a family here. I want to, and I, and I have now I've got a, I've right. got a six month old and, and it's not like Vancouver doesn't have that scene. You know, it's well, not like it, we're right? like, geez, I wish we were called Hollywood North. Yeah, you know exactly. I mean? that's like we it. are, if you're not going to live in LA and yeah. you want to live on the West coast, you're living in Vancouver. If you, if you want to get into acting, voice acting and all that. Well, and the voice acting's phenomenal here yeah. too. You know, the opportunities are, are, uh, are insane. I mean, I got to be. Dude, Iron Man. <laughs> I'm sitting here going like, I'm with Iron Man. Oh my God, I'm sitting with Iron Man. You'll likely know model, actress, writer, marijuana activist, Jackie Childs. She's been published both nationally here in Canada and also internationally in, in over 40 magazines. At one point, she was a naked news anchor. A couple million people follow her on social media. So what is it that comes to mind for Jackie when talking about career highlights? Um, I still go back to, this is, because this career actually started when I was 15. My career highlight was when I was 18 years old, David Messi, a very famous, prominent, just retired in the last three years from the real Playboy. Um, he, they had a casting for Venus Swimwear Magazine. Um, anyone can Google it. It's still around today. It's still catalog Venus Swimwear. Yeah. People buy it. Anyhow, they, um, they were looking for girls. I went to some show, some casting. There were thousands of girls with managers, agencies. I just showed up. I think I was a waitress at the time or whatever. And they picked me. And he photographed me and then had ended up going leaving Venus shortly after and having a long, like, 20-year-plus with Playboy. 
that was the highlight, I think. I really think that was when someone who wasn't my mom or wasn't my boyfriend or whatever said, you know what, you got something here. <laughs> like, you might not be six feet tall and you're not whatever, but there's something going on here. <laughs> mm-hmm. So that would definitely be my highlight. That was, that was really cool. Model Talia Paris was Playboy's Cyber Girl of the Year 2017. She started modeling at the age of five, was scouted, did beauty pageants by six, and it's been in her life pretty much ever since. Check out what Talia had to say about career highlights. Honestly, like, just traveling, it's been so amazing, like, because I think, like, with Cyber Girl of the Year and everything with Playboy, I've been able to travel so much. Mm-hmm. And um, So cool. When I, when I won Cyber Girl of the Year, they flew me to Mexico, and I did a photo shoot there for three days in La Paz. And then I went to Cabo San Lucas and they flew down one of my girlfriends. And we had like an all-inclusive mm. um, paid for our vacation for a whole week. And nice. then we went back home, which was like amazing. Yeah, that's amazing. Um, but of course, like Mexico is Mexico. It's definitely not like my favorite place I visit. I've also been to like Japan and right. Dubai. Toddcast Podcast Entertainment Guest Visits are powered by Canuck Auctions. Canada's largest memorabilia and collectibles auction house. Find them online at CanuckAuctions.com.
They are called R&F, and a new song for the podcast, Embers, Rob from the band hit me up on Twitter, and he basically said, like, how many bands send you music? To which I said, you know what? Oddly enough, not that many. I just kind of tend to surf a lot myself anyway, and, and honestly, I just have no problem finding enough bands to sustain this podcast. A couple of reasons. One, I was the indie music director for years, about eight years at Seafox here in Vancouver, but more than anything, I just... That's what I love. I love finding new bands. And, and to be honest, there's only five songs per episode. It's not like I need a ton. Anyway, Rob reached out, sent me his stuff. I dug it and I thought you might as well. I hope you like what you, you heard and everybody telling their stories this week. To me, that's, you know, that's one of the cool things about interviewing people is obviously finding out about what they're known for, but finding out about their life as well and the key moments, just going beyond what they're known for. It's very cool. Like say if you're talking to, to Tom Cruise about movies and Hollywood or whatever, but wouldn't be cool to find out what his first concert was, the superpower he'd want, you know, is, is he a gambler? Does he have a, a near-death story? Anyway, uh, my name is Todd Hancock. Thank you so much for listening and hanging out till the very end. If you like what you heard, please tell your friends. If you didn't, tell me. I'm firing everybody on staff. Cricket. <laughs> Suddenly there's no podcast. Subscribe on iTunes, Spotify, SoundCloud, YouTube. You can comment and rate the podcast as well because that will help out with search results. That will also help grow the podcast. Toddcast podcast. Huge thanks to all of our excellent sponsors and a hearty welcome back to the pint. They have sponsored many times over our eight years of podcasting and they are back as title sponsors podcast brought to you by, and we couldn't be happier about it. Of course, they are the place for pre Canucks games in Vancouver. Great for UFC fights and BC lions games. Big thanks to Nate and his team for jumping back on. We'll see you at 455 Abbott street. We'll do some meetups and watch some fights and whatever else. You can find links to all sponsor websites at toddhancock.ca. If you'd like to sponsor the podcast with your business, you can for as little as 10 bucks a day. Contact info is at the homepage. If you help us find a sponsor, we'll give you a commission based on the ad buy. So keep that in mind. If you know a business that might get outside the box advertising, send them our way and we'll deal with it. Not deal with it, but you know what I'm saying. Till next week. Don't be an asshole. Nobody wants to be around that. Have fun, play hard, and most of all, believe in yourself. You've been listening to the Toddcast Podcast, powered by The Pint, Vancouver's favorite sports bar at 455 Abbott Street and online at vancouver.thepint.ca. Hey, it's Mae Whitman, and I play Frankie in the new Realm podcast, The Sisters. The Sisters is about a museum curator of medical oddities who investigates the origins of a mutated skeleton with two layers of bones. Seven ribs are completely fused. And you have no idea where this came from? No. She was sent here anonymously. Mm-mm. Not she. They, maybe? Wait. I've never seen anything like this. Soon, she uncovers an extraordinary mystery that connects her present with one family's tragic past in hauntingly dangerous ways. My grandfather was a journalist back in the 60s and 70s. He specialized in strange stories. Who are they? How are they connected to the skeleton? Play the tape. You'll see. Listen to The Sisters wherever you get your podcasts. We dream about it. We both dream about it.
Hau auf, Freunde.